Welcome back to NC Realtors Redefined, the NC Realtors podcast sponsored by Century 21. On this episode, NC Realtors General Counsel Will Martin and Vice President and Managing Broker of Beverly Hanks in Asheville, Steve Barnes, discuss how and when to use the new COVID-19 addendum form. But first, NC Realtors News. Please note that NC Realtors staff are working remotely. During this time, you can best reach staff by email. You can find the staff directory by visiting ncrealtors.org slash information center. For additional questions, please email hello at ncrealtors.org. We continue to monitor multiple issues facing our industry and members. As more information becomes available, we will make sure that you are updated. NC Realtors has put together multiple resource guides which are available at ncrealtors.org slash coronavirus update. Hello everybody, my name is Will Martin. I'm counsel for the North Carolina Realtors. I'm here today with Steve Barnes to discuss the new COVID-19 addendum. Steve is the vice president and managing broker of Beverly Hanks downtown operations in Asheville. Uh, He's been with Beverly Hanks for about 18 years and is their lead instructor for all real estate related forms. And I've gotten to know Steve uh, by virtue of him being on the forms committee. So we're going to go through the COVID-19 addendum, which is a new form that the NC Realtors together with the um, NC Bar Association created last Friday, March 20th, and rolled out immediately to the um, realtor community. The um, basic idea behind the form is that if a circumstance related to the COVID-19 pandemic makes it unduly burdensome or impossible, within the timeframes of the contract to uh, exercise a right or perform an obligation under the contract, there will be a one-time extension of contract deadlines by a number of days that will be agreed on by the parties. And so if a circumstance arises related to the pandemic that makes it impossible or uh, overly burdensome for a party to perform, that party would notify the other party in writing and that would trigger the extension of any deadlines that hadn't passed already. So uh, primarily that were the deadlines in the contract are the due diligence period end date and the settlement date. So if the due diligence date hadn't passed, then that deadline would be extended. Uh, If it has passed, then only the settlement date would be extended by the number of days agreed to in advance by the parties. And the parties are agreeing to use good faith efforts to try to complete the transaction, even if that includes, um, you know, unusual methods that uh, ordinarily you would not contemplate having to resort to to complete the transaction. Now, if they're unable to close prior to the end of the extended period of time, and they don't agree to an extension, then the contract would become null and void, and the buyer would be entitled to a refund of the earnest money deposit, and the seller would keep any due diligence fee that had been paid. 
And also, importantly, um, paragraph one of the addendum provides that if the buyer is unable to get a loan due to loss of income related to the pandemic, uh, for example, loss of employment, either party may terminate the contract. And in that case, uh, the buyer would be entitled to a refund of the earnest money and the seller would keep the due diligence fee. So that's just a real quick overview of how the form works mechanically. And uh, Steve, I just uh, will open it up to you to ask me any questions that you may have uh, about the form. Uh, thanks, Will, and thanks for having me uh, today. Uh, the, timely, the timeliness of this form is, is excellent in that we had here in our market, we had already begun to see some uh, locally drafted uh, by attorneys uh, versions of this. So it's good to see a standardized form that we can use statewide. Um, with that, there have been some uh, questions, uh, some, some concern-based um, about uh, the addendum. So let me thought with what is the very broadest of all questions I could probably ask of you, um, and that is the broad nature of the language uh, defining a COVID-19 related restriction um, and any concerns that may exist of the misuse or misinterpretation of, of, of those uh, of those definitions and examples? Well, uh, you've gotten right to the heart of uh, one of the major concerns uh, that I have about this form and one of the difficulties of, of drafting it. And that was, um, you know, do you try to be very specific about the events that uh, would trigger the uh, extension of deadlines or do you try to be broad? And we decided to go with a broad approach because if we got specific, then it's gonna to lead to disagreements about whether or not a particular circumstance is covered that really is related to the pandemic that we hadn't even thought of yet or uh, just omitted. Uh, so we went with a broad approach so that the way this forum works is any uh, pandemic-related event that uh, makes it unduly burdensome or impossible within the timeframes of the contract for a party to perform uh, will trigger the uh, extension of the deadlines. We understand definitely that um, a party may try to uh, misuse this or there could be disagreements about whether or not a particular event is really related to the pandemic in any direct way uh, or uh, has that event made it unduly burdensome or impossible for the party to perform. So uh, we hope and we expect that parties will exercise uh, the utmost good faith uh, in trying to apply uh, this addendum if it's part of their contract. Do you, um, do you have any particular uh, examples of uh, that you'd like to share on whether or not a particular circumstance, you know, might uh, trigger the uh, application of the extended deadlines? Well, yes, and I know that uh, we could go all day long on hypotheticals, so I uh, we, we won't try going down that rabbit hole too much, but uh, having said that, I, I, I did ponder this a bit prior to us getting together, and uh, so one example, and not trying to make it too complicated, but uh, uh, and I'm realizing this form is designed to protect both parties, not just 
the buyer, but uh, both parties. But in this case, if a buyer is is under contract, has attached the addendum as a as a safeguard, um, but has really exhibited no 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 symptoms or signs of the COVID nineteen. Uh, however, in this case, um, a uh, uh, a mother who perhaps he cares for. Uh, is diagnosed and or showing symptoms and is awaiting the test results, even though that does not affect the um, the party to the contract directly. Um, would there be a case there, in your opinion, that uh, the the buyer is being affected because of his because of his uh, obligation to care for for his 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 mother? Yeah, that's a great example, Steve. And uh, probably reasonable minds could differ about the answer, but. Uh, you know, if, if the, um, you know, if he cares for his mother and if his, you know, if he's a buyer, I'm assuming that, um, uh, his mom would, uh, if he's relocating, his mom would be relocating with him or, um, or he would continue to have to care for his mother. I mean, if, you know, if his mom lives there in town where he's, where he's living uh, and he could continue to care for his mother, notwithstanding, uh, you know, the, uh, the difficulties. And, you know, I don't know, maybe he doesn't have a claim that it's, uh, there's a pandemic related issue that's arisen, but I don't know that it makes it unduly burdensome for him to be able to complete the transaction. But on the other hand, if it involves an interstate move, perhaps if they're coming from somewhere else and his his mom was planning on moving with him and now she can't, I, you know, maybe that's a different answer. So that's a that's a that's a great example because it, uh, it illustrates the, uh, you know, the, the potential difficulty of trying to apply this definition, uh, you know, uh, to the language in the addendum. Um. Uh, thanks, Will, for answering that. I know the, <laughs> to the best of your ability because it uh, it certainly uh, could be interpretive. And uh, to uh, use an answer or a statement that I have uh, stolen from you and other attorneys uh, in these situations, it depends. Often, it just depends. Yeah, it depends. Um, so, with that in mind, I've got some a uh, couple of other questions uh, to pose. Um, so, if you're ready for a little rapid fire, um, sure. So I feel as though most agents have looked at this addendum, as I mentioned earlier, about how it protects the buyer. Um, that just seems to have been the, the immediate uh, default, but it's, it's certainly intended to protect both parties uh, from um, a COVID-19 uh, event. Um, could you speak to a little, a little bit to how you feel this addendum could, could potentially protect the seller? And also more specifically, what if any uh, protection is there for the seller, if the contract becomes null and void under the, uh, under the terms of the addendum, which results in the buyer receiving a return of earnest money. Uh, and where I'm going with that is uh, perhaps a day or two before a settlement, after the end of due diligence, and perhaps a seller has already uh, endured financial um, uh, commitments and, uh, and might feel harmed. Yeah, great question. Steve, um, you know, a seller has certain obligations under the contract too that could be affected, uh, you know, by a uh, COVID-19 related event. You know, for example, if the seller agrees to make repairs, um, 
It's possible that uh, the completion of those repairs is going to be delayed because of the uh, relative unavailability of, of uh, professionals to actually make the repairs. Uh, and that could put the seller potentially into a default situation under the regular contract. Uh, the seller might also have <clears throat> delays in being able to complete the settlement. You know, the seller uh, could get sick or, uh, you know, the seller's mother could be the one getting sick uh, and it's gonna delay the seller's ability to timely complete the transaction. Um, and so I think it, it potentially benefits the seller in the same way that it uh, benefits the buyer. It, it cuts the seller and the buyer a little slack so that, um, uh, you know, they just get a little extra time if something unexpected comes up. Uh, I hear you um, about the seller having to return the earnest money in a situation where under the regular contract, they might not have to. Um, on the other hand, if the seller is the one causing the delay uh, and in a regular environment that put the seller in breach, the buyer would have an argument that they're entitled uh, to a refund, not only of their due diligence money, but also the due diligence fee and any due diligence costs. So the way I see it, both parties are really giving here a little bit. You don't know what's gonna happen. And so let's just agree in advance uh, on how the monies are gonna be dispersed if we're unable to get this transaction done so that we have a little more certainty on the front end about how it's all gonna work. Um, understanding that you know I may be the delaying party or you may be the delaying party. Let's just agree to something in advance uh, under these uncertain circumstances, just to give us a bit more certainty about how it, how it will happen if uh, we're unable to get this transaction done due to a COVID-related event that makes it unduly burdensome or impossible for one of us or the other of us, or perhaps both of us to be able to complete this transaction. Uh, so in, in reviewing this uh, and hearing you again uh, uh, speak to, to this question, um, one of the uh, goals of this addendum is to eliminate the finger pointing game. Like who's really delaying? We're just agreeing that under these unprecedented circumstances, uh, we both parties understand something unexpected could occur related to COVID-19, and we're just agreeing that these will be the terms under which we'll operate, and we're not going to spend time trying to blame the other. Yeah, is that fair? That's a great way to look at it. Um, the way I think about it is under the delay and settlement provision in the contract. You know, there's a delaying party and there's a non-delaying party. And at the end of that 14-day permitted delay period, if the delaying party can't get it done, then they're in breach. And that has certain consequences. Um, in this extraordinary environment we're in, we're kind of substituting the provisions of the addendum for the delay and settlement provision in the contract, the way I see it. So if it's a COVID-19 related event that causes the delay, the provisions of the addendum are what are gonna control uh, the obligations and the rights of the parties rather than that delay and settlement provision 
in the contract. On the other hand, I want to make it clear that you know the the, the more traditional things that cause people not to be able to complete transactions are still going to be governed by the delay and settlement provision uh, in the contract. So if it's not related to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, then you're operating under the contract, not the addendum. Okay, thank you. Uh, well, I had an interesting question posed to me uh, regarding um, the number of days in the addendum. And uh, the question was specifically, what if uh, parties agree to zero days? Um, now, not being even sure why that might be the case, um, I just want to get your thoughts on that. And does it potentially create a time of the essence issue if, if that were to be done? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Steve. And honestly, when we created the form, we were uh, anticipating that, you know, people would use it primarily to uh, delay the uh, certain deadlines in the contract. And so I think it would be quite unusual for somebody to try to use this form in that way and put zero in the blank. But if they did, uh, yeah, I think I agree with you that the effect of that, without getting too legalistic, would be that there would be no uh, delay in the deadlines because you're operating under the addendum, not the paragraph 12, the delay and settlement provision in the contract. And so they're really, you can look at it as, uh, uh, as the parties agree and the time will be of the essence regarding the uh, delay period. So I, I, I really wouldn't suggest that parties uh, you know, use zero uh, uh, or use this form if they're not contemplating uh, possible delays uh, in the um, due diligence period and or the settlement date. Um, do you have any thoughts, Steve? Let me ask you a question on the number of days that uh, parties might uh, insert in that blank as a broker. What do you think? Uh, well, you know, I've only had a, a limited time to review this and think it through, and, and we're, we're honestly not seeing it in, in uh, use yet. Uh, but uh, these are the things that uh, I, do, I do ponder. Um, my initial reaction would be, uh, I would think, a, a relatively short period of time, um, 15 days, something of that nature, perhaps a bit longer. Um, just to un understand the intent of this, uh, that seems like to be of this addendum, seems like to be the reasonable amount of time. But, you know, as always, uh, we're reminded that uh, this is a negotiable form, it's a negotiable terms within that allow for negotiating. It's negotiable between the parties. And I think it's probably most important for us, the brokers, to understand um, the written word of this, how it's to be used, and let buyers and sellers understand their options and, and let them, uh, let them uh, hash it out. Uh, that's what I'm hopeful for anyway. I agree. Will, a, uh, I've got a couple of questions here regarding the use of the form. Uh, segue right into that. Um, I've already heard one company attempting to forbid the use of this addendum. Um, and now, of course, from my point of view, the use of this addendum should be left strictly to the parties involved. And transaction, of course, not the brokers. Uh, would you agree with that? And just to clarify, there is no mandate 
also, on the other hand, there's no mandate from NCAR, Real Estate Commission, that, uh, that requires the use of this form, correct? That's correct. This, this is not a mandatory form. <clears throat> um, and I, I, I don't think a firm ought to either mandate its use or forbid its use. Um, seems to me like this is just another tool for the broker's toolbox to be able to offer to parties uh, that are considering entering into a contract or, or possibly amending an existing contract in this unsettled environment that we're in. Um, and I think it ought to be up to the brokers and their clients uh, as to whether or not they want to consider uh, adding this addendum to a, to a contract. So Will, I know you addressed uh, this question, uh, several questions in your recent uh, Q&A, but just to clarify for those listening, would you suggest uh, an email from one party to the other uh, stated their COVID-19 event would suffice as proper notification? And along that as well, what about uh, text message as well? Would, would you consider those appropriate means of communicating this? Yeah, it's supposed to be in writing. Uh, I would say in general, um, it would require sort of the same degree of uh, formality or informality that uh, agents use now in situations where there's a delay in settlement. Um, we don't have a form for that. Um, and so I think that's typically going to be a broker to broker kind of a notification. I think that's fine. Uh, the addendum, as you pointed out, does require it to be in writing, but I think an email or a text would suffice for that purpose. Just describing the uh, COVID-19 related circumstance that has arisen. And so, you know, obviously you want to uh, have something that you will keep that you'll be able to demonstrate that you did put it in writing, but uh, text or an email would be sufficient. Well, I uh, did want to wrap up with, uh, with this question. Um, earlier, we discussed uh, some concerns or uh, uh, the potential uh, misunderstanding or, or misuse of the broad nature of, of the language, particularly in describing what would be a COVID-19 uh, event. Presuming that might be uh, our biggest concern, um, could you tell me what would be your next biggest concern regarding the use of this form uh, in, uh, for the public? Sure, um, Steve, like, um, really like any new form, I'm always concerned about agents uh, understanding uh, the form before they recommend it be used. So um, I think agents need to try to understand the mechanics of this form, hopefully uh, our dialogue uh, today is going to uh, help in that regard, but uh, I'm concerned about agents uh, seeing that this is a COVID-19 addendum. We're in a COVID-19 environment, so let's just slap this addendum on any contract, and that's going to take care of things. Um, that I'd rather agents not use it if they don't understand it. Uh, so I do think agents need to understand how it's used, and it's not that complicated. It is new, uh, but I think with just a little bit of effort, you can uh, agents can have a good grasp of how this form works, uh, 
and um, and can begin to develop thoughts on strategies uh, for when might it be appropriate to use it, you know, in consultation with their with their clients. I, you know, many times uh, uh, parties and their agents may decide not to use this addendum, that they can, they can come up with ways to negotiate the negotiable terms of the contract to protect their, to protect their interests. So it very well may be that this form uh, is not used in a lot of situations. Uh, that, just, that just remains to be seen. We wanted to put something out there in the marketplace that could be used. Um, and so uh, hopefully uh, agents will take the time to try to understand how this form works before they attempt to use it. Do you have questions for our legal team about the COVID-19 addendum form or any other legal issue? then send an email to legalhotline at ncrealtors.org to get any of your legal questions answered. Do you have feedback on a story or topic that you'd like to hear covered on this podcast? Then give the NC Realtors Redefine a call at 336-550-4437. When leaving your voicemail, be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. Your comments may be used on a future episode of NC Realtors Redefined. Be sure to catch up on every episode of NC Realtors Redefined by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or SoundCloud.